In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. We are celebrating its one year since today that I put out into the universe the trailer for Ordinary Sherpa. And here we are, one year later, and I wanted it to be just a thank you party. This is going to be an episode of gratitude, of just walking you through a little bit of the behind the scenes of what's transpired in the last year. And then we're going to do a little Ask the Sherpa segment from questions that I've curated either through my email list or on social media. So this should be a fun episode. I did not know what I was doing a year ago. (laughs) I shouldn't say that. I have a lot of good guidance and I had a great mentor in the process. So I did know what I was doing. But when you first put something out into the universe, you really have no idea what the next step is. And each step of this journey has been a daring adventure for me. And I wanted to use this episode really to get behind the scenes and answer some of those questions. But I am going to have an upcoming episode on just adventures in podcasting and have my mentor and coach who really inspired this whole thing to unfold. He'll be on the episode with me in a couple of weeks. So I'll save some of that so that you can wait and see and hear, I should say, some of the the nitty gritty things. But for the most part, this episode will give you a little bit of how the year unfolded. Elizabeth Gilbert has a great quote, and she says, in the end, maybe it's wiser to surrender before the miraculous scope of human generosity and to just keep saying thank you forever and sincerely for as long as we have voices. And I want this episode to really be A moment of gratitude, because without all of you, Ordinary Sherpa wouldn't be anything. I mean, I would be a voice that's out in the universe, but it needs listeners to really inspire and followers and email subscribers and all of those things make this journey so much more richer. And I have always loved, and I know I've said this a million times, but I'll keep saying it over and over and over again. I have loved having such rich conversations with so many of you or hearing your questions, or having guests on, and just talking through what's possible. How does adventure show up in our lives? How do we cultivate adventure? How do we live the daring, I would say, even just the simple things in every day, and then the big epic things? How do we work towards those? So it has been a fun, fun ride. We are on episode 50. That means there's 52 weeks in a year, and I missed two episodes. And that was just because life, right? I was... Whatever happened, I had a couple of weeks and I gave myself permission that I'm going to try to be consistent. And I knew this was going to happen. I have a full time job and three children. So I knew there would be weeks where I would fall apart. And so in those 50 episodes, though, a majority have been almost half of them. I was interviewing a guest and another half I was solo. The first thing I did 
We launched in November and I was driving to my in-law's house for Thanksgiving and my husband and I went and we literally made a list of like who are really adventurous people that we know or who are people that we would love to have conversations with. And some of them were long shots, I would say. You know, we didn't really know these people, but I'd been following them on Instagram or my husband and I had talked about things that seemed really inspiring. So I wanted to find families that had done those things. And other things were just, we had friends that did things that were fascinating and I wanted to interview them and have them on the show. So I wanted it to be, like the name says, I wanted them to be ordinary people like you and I who are maybe not doing the huge epic things because I wanted it to be relevant. I wanted it to be available to people who maybe couldn't take a year off of work to do those crazy adventures. And I also, I mean, if you remember... Part of the pain point in my life was that there wasn't a lot of support for families. It felt like you could adventure in your 20s and do all that kind of stuff. And then you were supposed to settle down. And then maybe like when you retired, you could start adventuring again. And I really wanted to change that narrative and inspire families to do something different. One of the things I did leading into this is I had very few expectations. Instead of setting goals, I didn't really have goals. (laughs) I had... I don't know. I called them curious questions. Instead of the metrics or outputs, I had literally a bunch of questions and I wrote them down. Uh, I don't know when I wrote these down, but they're pretty early in one of my notebooks. So it must have been pretty early. But I wrote down questions like how long until I have my first episode with 100 downloads? How long would it take me to have 100 people in my Facebook group? How long until I had 100 people following me on Instagram? How long until I had 100 email subscribers? These were all things we were looking for in the ecosystem of where are you going to show up? How are you going to connect with your audience? So that was just like a curious question. How would I connect with my audience and how long would it take to have 100? How long until I was able to make $100? And that was kind of fun. I was surprised when that happened. And I'll, I'll walk through a couple of these. How long until I would have Ordinary Sherpa downloaded in all 50 states? How long until my first pitch to guest appear on another podcast was accepted? How long until Ordinary Sherpa ranked in the top 200? How long until I received 20 written reviews, 30 written reviews, 50 written reviews, and 100 written reviews were kind of the benchmarks that I looked at. All of those, with the exception of 100 written reviews, every single one of those has been accomplished, which is fun, which is fun. So just to give you a walkthrough, on um, it looks like 1223, on December 23rd, I had 504 downloads. My first episode had 504 downloads, which was pretty exciting. I made $20 in passive income on... December 7th. Actually, I made more than $20. My goal initially was $20, and I actually crossed it out and wrote $100 because I made $100 actually by twelve seven through an affiliate deal that I was working on, and I was just testing it, and it worked. So that was kind of fun. Um, but most of my stuff, you know, in terms of followers, most of that happened in December. In January, I had 100 followers on Instagram. I had in April, I hit 100 followers in my, or I'm sorry, newsletter subscribers. And my first pitch was accepted to guest appear on a show on a podcast in May of 2021. I was on, but I was accepted to the Rogue Learner podcast, which was fun, and then earn and invest and eventually choose FI. So those were really fun stepping stones and milestones for me. In April of 2021, I had 50 written reviews, April 26th, and Vincent Puglisi was actually my 50th written review. So I am 
honored. Again, I love to thank my listeners. And so I want to read two recent written reviews, and then we're going to dig into some of the questions that you had. My first written review comes from Stephen F. Murray, and it says, Excellent Family Adventure Resource. I recently discovered this podcast from a Choose a Fi episode, and I'm so glad I did. We are a family of four. I'm a registered nurse, and my wife works as a teacher. We have an 11-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son, and your content and advice fits perfectly in the season of our life. Over the past few years, we've begun to realize that our time together is not infinite and that we need to spend more intentional time about spending as much quality time together as possible. Since then, we've done a few epic international trips, including a week in an RV in Iceland, but most local ordinary activities. The Brownside episode you did was wonderful. Just a few days ago, my wife and I discussed how the 2021 supply chain disruption could really be a good thing for Christmas, and we are considering planning activities and adventures with our family instead of just giving physical gifts. As we plan crazy experiences, the discussion often leads to, we could never do that. We found that asking, but what if we had to, opens a lot of doors. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Stephen Murray. I love this comment too. Thank you for sharing your background. The comment around the 2021 supply chain, I just, anytime I hear crazy media stories around like, oh, Christmas is over. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are so boring and so not creative (laughs) in my world. Um, Christmas is not over. We, and I'm actually doing an episode next week on gifting experiences and how we approach gifting. And our, just our approach to Christmas in general. And, but I will give you some different examples of how we've gifted experiences and then also what that looks like for our family this year. I just have to remind my husband, like, don't play this on a speaker because I'm going to give away what all the kids are getting. So just so you know, if you're in my close family and my kids are around, don't listen to my podcast on a speaker, please. The next review comes from Julia517, and it just says, fun podcast. This podcast is a mini adventure in each listen. I love how Heidi dives into all the different topics. My daughter is only one, but I get excited thinking about the fun trips that we'll be able to take together, and this podcast gives me tons of great ideas. Yes, Julia, I'm so excited. Yes, there's no wrong time to start. You can adventure at any age. It doesn't mean you have to wait until a certain age to start either. So I hopefully you guys are getting something out of this podcast that is inspiring you to adventure, even if it is only in your backyard. Those are still worthy, and sometimes they're even more memorable and the least expensive. As I stated earlier, I really wanted to dive a little deeper and introduce the Ask a Sherpa concept. If you remember, the Sherpa philosophy was always meant to be a Sherpa to another family. That Sherpas, if, if anyone knows the Sherpa tribe in around the Mount Everest, they're really instrumental in getting Mount Everest to actually, Mount Everest climbers, I should say, to hit the summit. And that Sherpa philosophy has just been a really guiding light to the formation of this podcast and to our message. A Sherpa is also often known as a guide. They're not typically the expert. They're not the most experty person that you know. They're someone maybe just a few steps of you ahead of you on the trail, but they're always like putting their hand back, ready to help out. And I wanted this to be about highlighting the helpers too on the journey. You don't have to be the epic person. Those aren't necessarily, we'll have a couple of those come on the podcast just to inspire us and teach us. But for the most part, I look for guests who are relatively ordinary and willing to help out. And that sense of community, that Sherpa philosophy is really what we're looking for. And so I never wanted there to be a dumb question. I wanted anybody 
to be able to ask a question. And if I couldn't find the answer, because I'm not necessarily the expert I'm, and I may not have that experience, I wanted to be able to have the community lift up those opportunities and share and connect. And I think for the most part, I'm seeing that happen in the Facebook group. So I raise these questions. If anybody has questions for me, you know, feel free. I'll answer them on the podcast or um, it's always an opportunity to come into the Facebook group too. So these are some of the questions. And I, what is your funniest travel story? And this is hard because I've traveled so long and it's hard to pick just one. So I actually picked three. One was from when I was a child. I have one from kind of my young adult ages and then one from with our family traveling with kids. The first was when I was in fourth grade. We went to San Diego, California. My great aunt lived there. It was the first time I had ever been on an airplane. My aunt was taking us kind of to a nice dinner or maybe it was a brunch. I don't remember. It was a fancier restaurant in Seaport Village and Seaport Village was very different. This was maybe like 1988. And the restaurant I will never forget was called Papagayo's. And we're all sitting there and the waiters come out and there's like napkins and there's a lot of silverware. And my family is not really up on all the things, right? So we didn't really know what to do. We're just kind of sitting there and all the waiters came and brought us our food, but they weren't like they weren't putting it down. And we just kind of like sat and looked. And finally, one of the waiters went and put his tray down and he came over and grabbed my brother's napkin and like shook it out and put it on his lap. And we were just like, oh, we couldn't stop. We really had to try to keep straight faces. But it just brought to light the fact that adventure sometimes exposes you to these things that you don't realize are different than what your norms are. You know, we don't normally have cloth napkins and five different types of silverware. It just wasn't normal for us. And so that experience, though, really opened our eyes to what's possible. And we still laugh about it. We had so much fun prior to that, too, and just the little shops and trying on hats. And I think that was my first real taste of why adventure was important to me. And it just kind of struck a chord with what I was passionate about going forward. My second story is actually in my book, my best friend from college, Megan, and I ended up going on this road trip. My brother was graduating from basic training in Lawton, Oklahoma. That was our final destination. We went a lot of different ways to get there and ended up at this hotel and decided to go across the street. There was a bar across the street and it ended up being a Packer bar. And we're from Wisconsin, so we were kind of excited, but there was maybe six people in this Packer bar. Well, the owner tried to give us a t-shirt and he couldn't find them. So eventually he had us climb up into the loft of the bar and he cleaned out the entire loft and gave us in in search of a t-shirt and gave Megan and I all of these random things, including a neon light, like a neon bar sign. And he's like, oh yeah, you can have that. Or, oh yeah, you can have that. And we had this car full of random things from a Packer bar in Lawton, Oklahoma. My third one is a little bit more recently. My daughter's on this quest to hit all the national parks. And so when we were driving back from Florida a few years ago, we decided to stop at Mammoth Cave National Park. Mammoth Cave is one of the largest caves. And It was really just unassuming. It was towards the end of the day. Nothing really was, it wasn't bad. We were done with the tour, but we were kind of tired. We knew we had a long trek ahead of us and we're just kind of walking up the trail slowly. Everyone's just kind of ho-hum. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something falls out of a tree and lands just to the side of the trail that we were walking on. There was a paved trail down to the cave. We're walking up the hill to head back to the visitor center and this, this thing falls out of a tree. And we just stopped. We were the only ones around. And we all just looked at each other like, what 
what was that? Does anybody know what that was? And as we were kind of going up to see what it was, this furry thing got up and kind of squandered his way away and eventually kind of like dizzily made his strides forward. And we're like, is that a squirrel? (laughs) And then the squirrel like took off running. I have never in my life seen a squirrel fall from a tree. And I think we all were just so shocked. You know, so many times in adventure, things that you can't plan just happen. They just show up and there's nothing really funny about it, but yet it's so funny at the same time. And that was one of those things where we weren't overly excited about this next leg of our trip. And we were kind of like, whatever. But yet the squirrel had us laughing for hours. The fact that it got up and was kind of like, you know, we were joking. It was like Ice Age-ish, you know, it's like the squirrel that keeps getting hurt and then runs away and he's always getting, so that's what we were imagining. And it was just a really fun experience to leave that entire vacation because it was kind of like the last adventure of the vacation. And that's what we ended it on was like a squirrel falling out of a tree. So that was, that. those were probably three of the more funny stories. If you want to read more about some of our goofy travel stories, there'll be some in the book. My second question that I received is, do the kids like RV life or home life better? Uh, And this one depends. I asked the kids and we decided maybe the kids need to be on the podcast, but that might be too much of an adventure. My six-year-old is, yeah, no, not yet. (laughs) I'll get there someday, but not yet. But they all said it kind of depends. Some of their responses were with the RV, they like that they can go different places and they can lay around and have a lot of fun things to do on the road. There's a lot of things happening and we can bring the dog. My daughter is obsessed with our dog, so she is really excited that we can bring the dog. However, at home, we live out in the country and they all have their own space. They really love having their own bedroom. They love having the backyard. So they said it kind of depends. They like their independence and they like their space when they're at home. So they didn't have a definitive answer for you there, but we're going to keep looking. I'll keep telling you stories about that too. The next question comes from Tony in our Facebook group. He said, do you ever get in touch with the state and local tourism boards and chamber of commerce when planning a trip? And yes, I do. Actually, I don't reach out from it like an influencer perspective. I don't I don't really call myself an influencer or travel influencer, but I do look for non-traditional things. The reason I like tourism boards is that they keep track of all the events that are happening. And oftentimes they keep track of just the little things that are unique about that area. And so, for example, most recently, my friend, actually Megan, I just talked about, and I went up to Marinette County in northern Wisconsin. Marinette's not anything that would probably draw an outsider in. However, they've had a number of waterfalls. And I've known about this for a long time. There's a waterfall tour that you can do. And in the fall, they have it all actually sketched out where you can get a map and do this entire route. And so we did use that. That was actually through their tourism board. They sponsor the map and do all of those things. They're trying to highlight local businesses. And so in that case, it felt like we were doing something somewhat touristy, but we were still trying to do it off the beaten path and not necessarily something that was going to be really crowded or with a ton of other people. However, on the flip side, I would say I do not go to Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Most of those are membership based, and I've just found a lot of small businesses If there are advertising budgets, they get overlooked. And so I just haven't seen a lot of great value in the Chamber of Commerce. I could be wrong. I mean, I've just found that the Visitor and Convention Bureaus do a little bit better job. I would much rather look for a group 
or a local within a group. And oh, it was in my email list. I recently told a story about how we planned our ski trip out west. And I was able to connect with some locals in Colorado to determine where to ski. And if I would have gone to a tourism board, I felt like I would have been given the one that had the greatest marketing dollars. So, and I don't really like the traditional family style amenities of a ski hill. We're actually looking to ski. We're not looking for daycare and child lessons and all of those things. So I know what I like and I just try to filter through a lot of the noise to get there. But I will say tourism boards or convention and visitor bureaus are really great resources. I just take it with a grain of salt. With anything online, I'm usually trying to find my people rather than be sold. And you can search just about anything online now. You know, I can do family friendly in whatever location we're going. And usually you can get blog articles or CVBs or tourism boards. There's a lot of different ways. And I do that on Facebook too, or look for groups. So there's a lot of different ways I go about it. And maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do an entire episode just to kind of walk you through our process a little bit more. The next question comes from David in the Facebook group. And he asked, is Instagram's power to introduce us to hidden gems good or bad? I'll answer that question first. That is a great question. I have really mixed feelings about Instagram. I love it because I'm seeing a lot of different things. I follow a lot of different things. There's been a lot of interesting conversations in the social app Clubhouse, too, around tagging. Do you tag where you are when you go somewhere or do you keep it hidden so that people don't know where it is? Personally, I feel like I have benefited from people sharing and I feel that it's a little bit of a privilege to know and to experience these places. And so I don't feel from a place of power and privilege, I feel it's my responsibility to share where I'm going If someone asks, if I don't share the actual location and someone asks, I will share. I do that. And I also share a lot of content around local lands and being an ethical traveler and things like that. I try to really make sure my content is balanced so that if someone is exploiting a place or, you know, I I try to keep that in mind as well. The follow-up to David's question was, how do you find balance between going to the top spot and dealing with crowds or going to less beautiful spot that has less crowded? Again, going back to ethics and privilege, I don't necessarily feel, I don't view like my travel list is a bucket list. My goal is not to hit the top, the spot. I'm not trying to replicate National Geographic. That's not why I'm going. It's not just about the scenery or what I'm going to see. The goal is that we have a good experience. And there's many times where it's just not, I don't know what the answer is here. It's not feasible, maybe, for us to do those things. With that said, I am much more likely to get up at 6 a.m. to avoid the crowds or go at 6 p.m. to avoid the crowds than I am to stay during any of the crazy hours in the middle of the day when most people travel. So anytime we do like national parks or anything like that, we just prefer to get up early do our thing, do our hikes. It's cooler then. It's usually not as hot. There's not as many people. I would always, 90% of the time, would choose a location that's less crowded because for me, it's more about the experience of being together with my family rather than the like, here's the epic thing that you get to see for 30 seconds and take a picture. I also am a former photographer. Well, I guess I'm still a photographer. So I, I know the power of editing and you can get a good picture with a lot of people or without a lot of people. So I don't always know that the experience is as enriching if there's a million other people there. Million seems like a lot, a thousand, 500, whatever. It's just not as fun. 
But great question. I really appreciated that. That was a good thinking one. What podcasts inspired you? This is kind of fun. I started listening to podcasts in 2008, and I can tell you the very first podcast I listened to was On Being by Krista Tippett. And it's funny because I don't know that she's in most of my networks. I don't know that many people listen to her, but she is an amazing interviewer. And so I really admired how she interviewed guests, the kind of guests she got. She got a really broad range of guests, and it was a very different topic. It was around well-being and with a focus kind of on spirituality. And I found it really fascinating because I never felt like I was being told something. I noticed how I left feeling after listening to her episodes. So she was really fun. Uh, Krista Tippett, she's still happening on Being is the podcast. The one I probably talk about the most and the one that most of my listeners are probably familiar with is Choose FI. And the co-hosts are Brad Barrett and Jonathan Mendonza. They gave me an entirely different way to look at finances, which I think finances are so dry. And it's funny because I work in it and I understand it, but it's very dry and they made it fun. So from that lens, I have it's been a game changer in my personal life. I binged every episode. I think I listened to them because of travel rewards initially. And then I went through them like there were so many takeaways that I got from them. It's like my go to. It has been for years. The next one was, um, again, early in my podcast listening career was Design Matters by Debbie Millman's. She is by far the best host I've ever listened to. She does her research. I know everybody talks about like Jordan Harbinger does his research. I will tell you that I think Debbie Millman's does an even more fabulous job researching her guests and getting at stories that most of the guests are like, wow, how did you find that information? Like, where was that even available? Like, she just gets very personal and it creates such a different interview then because it's not the same old questions and it's not the stories that most of us have heard already. It's a very different experience. And it was fascinating guests again, just from the design perspective. And given that I focus on designing your life and I've done some work in design, I just thought it was a very fascinating bend on learning about design in a very different way and learning from really fascinating people. And then the last one I'll say was Kathy Heller. She is the host of Don't Keep Your Day Job. Again, she had really fascinating guests. I actually took the key takeaways from Kathy Heller. That was one of the things I really admired. She'd have these really interesting guests and she would take their quotes and put it in a summary. And yeah, the key takeaways is actually one thing that I know a lot of my listeners really appreciate. So those are, what, four, five podcasts that early on I started listening to. And some of them I still listen to. Some of them I don't listen to as often. The next question was, what are some of your favorite camping recipes? This is actually in the ebook that I talked, Designing an RV Experience. If we're camping like in a traditional campsite with a campfire, we usually have brats and hot dogs just because that's what we like. And usually that's paired with pasta salad or the foil packets of potatoes. But some of the ones my kids really love are pudgy pies with pizza Pudgy pies are these little cast iron pies. I'll try to give you some resources. If you want to get the RV, the Ordinary RV ebook, I'll go into much greater detail. But the Pudgy Pies is really fun. It's just bread and pizza sauce. And then we grab different types of toppings and everybody can essentially make their own pizza over the fire. I have two meals that are kind of go-to meals for over a camp stove. And those are omelet in a bag, which my kids don't love this anymore, but you take a, a quart size freezer bag, you boil water, and then you just dump your eggs and everything in that freezer bag and put the bag right in the water. It doesn't make sense. 
I don't know how it actually works, but it works 99% of the time. And I don't have all the mess and the cleanup from making eggs and making omelets and stuff like that. So that's kind of a fun one. And the other one I would say is we do a ton of sauteed noodles spaghetti noodles or any type of noodles really my kids just love it's kind of a staple so then we just saute a bunch of vegetables or different types of meat everybody kind of puts in the pan what they want we saute it all up and we eat it throw some parmesan cheese or seasoning in it so that's just an easy buffet style meal where everybody gets what they want just because I have such picky eaters in my house those are easy the next question is when are you launching your book. Yay. Yes. Oh, this has been a journey. So if you haven't heard, I know everyone's listening from different streams. I have been writing a book since about July and it is going to the editor. The manuscript is due to the editor on November 22nd. So my intent is to have the final copy done, I would say early part of 2022. I guess like in my head, I have the date March 15th just kind of sketched in with pencil. I don't know if that's feasible. I have not finished the marketing aspect of it. I know I'm really only in phase one. Phase one is writing the book. (laughs) Phase two is publishing the book. And phase three is marketing the book. And all those things that happen even after launch. So I'm hoping for 2022, early 2022, the book will be ready to be in your hands and reading if you are interested. What is next? Okay, so this is the final question that I'll be answering today. What's next? Well, the podcast is continuing, thankfully. It's going to be continuing at the weekly rate through the end of the year. And 2022, a couple things that I'm working on for you is um, I have some personal news that I'll be sharing for 2022 with our own adventures. So I always try to highlight things that we're doing, things we're learning, things we're testing The Everyday Adventure Challenge, we just wrapped that up and that will continue. The format might be modified slightly. I'm getting feedback from previous participants just to see how that's going and if that's working. So the 60-Day Everyday Adventure Challenge will again kick off in February. And we also are looking at a much deeper mastermind type experience, a membership mastermind type experience. And this is for people that are doing much more of like an epic, bigger thing, like lifestyle design. I have a speaking gig coming up that I'll be focusing on some of the lifestyle design and learning more about what people want in that space. So doing some strategy sessions around, it could be everything, travel reward strategy work, or it could be preparing for a long summer adventure. You know, I had a couple of people who took five week, six week vacations last year. And so learning from them. But the intent in that mastermind is that we bring in guests who are what I like to call in the arena. These aren't the critics that are sitting in the cheap seats that are going to tell you all the reasons you shouldn't do this. This is more of the Sherpa community of bringing people in with that experience that can tell you things to dodge, resources to keep in mind, ways to navigate the things that they had to navigate to make it a little bit easier. So that is coming. I don't have a launch date for that, but that is also something I am working on. So the book is happening. That'll be launched in 2022. The Adventure Challenge. Those are the simple everyday adventures. That cohort challenge is happening again in, in February. And then we'll have the mastermind and the membership. So be looking for that. And of course, this podcast, the Facebook group, all the things on Instagram, that's all continuing. So it's been such a joy. It's been so much fun. Thank you again. Thank you. I could not do this work. I probably would not be inspired to keep doing this work with all the people that have supported me along the way. Just today, someone bought me a cup of coffee and they didn't even leave me their name. So I'm going to have to like 
go all Columbo and figure out how they are and offer them a 15-minute session if I can. So if you want to buy me a cup of coffee, that's another fun way just for me to interact with you. It's been so much fun. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope you are finding joy and pleasure getting outside and just enjoying the opportunity to adventure. Until next time, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.